0: When executives and leaders can drive engagement, not only does it create a better life for their employees where they get to do more meaningful work, where they're more proud of what they do, they think like owners, they show up with, with initiative and drive, but also it creates better business outcomes.
1: You're listening to the b2b revenue executive experience a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources you've come to the right place let's accelerate your growth in three two one welcome everyone to the b2b revenue executive experience i'm your host chad sanderson Today, we're focusing on how executives and organizations can increase their effectiveness in terms of creating the right culture, setting goals, motivating teams, and ensuring employees are engaged, which is a huge problem if anybody's seen the latest stats. This can be a challenging topic for executives, especially when they're focused on the day-to-day operations of a business and often don't set aside the time to do this. However, it's extremely important and we're lucky to have with us Adam Weber, VP of Sales and co-founder of Amplify. Adam, thank you very much for taking the time and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Chad. Happy to be here.
1: So we always like to start with a authentic question first to give people kind of a, an understanding of, of you as a person. And for some reason, I'm on this kick. I'm always looking for maybe a passion or a hobby you have outside of work that maybe people don't know about or might be surprised to learn about. What would that be?
0: Sure, well, so I have one that's not not that fun and, and not that um uncommon, but one is um, that I was a songwriter and, and did music for a long time, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to tell you about my real hobby that's pretty weird, and this is totally connected to like turning you know nearing hitting forty. Uh, <laughs> right, right now, I have gotten like dramatically into bird watching. I'll say it. I'll sit. I'll put Whoa, it out. There.
1: And you're owning me, man. I love it. I <laughs>
0: this love is it. the first time I've said it publicly and I might ask, <laughs> you, might ask you to edit the tape. <laughs> uh,
1: no, it's all good. It's uh, They're fascinating creatures. The closest things we have to dinosaurs. And quite frankly, some of them are a little creepy.
0: The, you know. And the thing is, though, it's it's just, as you know, running a business, it's a lot of work. Every now and then, it's nice to slow down. And you kind of have to slow down when you're staring at birds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that you, you know what? I'll be honest. In, in all the episodes we've done, the times I've asked that question, that's the first time I've heard that answer. <laughs> I love it.
0: I love awesome. It. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a good sign of things to come.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So for our listeners' sake, how about a little context around what Amplify does and how you ended up there?
0: Sure. So Implify is an employee engagement measurement platform. And what we do is give leaders, uh, CEOs, and executives consistent visibility into their people. We use statistically valid measurement to uncover what's causing people to not bring their best self to work every day. And then unique uh, in the market is we also come alongside those leaders and we coach them on how to understand the data and build action plans on how to solve their most critical problems. Obviously, with a goal of driving performance and driving communication and, and high performance teams. And how I got here is I had never done startups or anything like this before. And about eight years ago, I, kind of, I stumbled into it. It's kind of the classic uh, startup story. I met my business partner, Santiago, when he was a senior in college. I was well into my career at that point. And uh, he had an idea for a mobile app company at a really fortunate time. And we had the, the, great, the great privilege and fortune to grow that business quickly. And got a passion for employee engagement during the process. And 3 years ago, we sold that business, took every dollar and put it into this, uh, into Implify so we could do what we love, which is to help other companies um, reach their cultural goals and, and, and uh, drive performance on their teams.
1: And what is it about employee engagement that fascinates and inspires you? I mean, you and I have had conversations about this before, but it's one of those unsung uh, elements of business, I think, often. People talk about it, but it uh, can sometimes seem like a black art. (laughs) (laughs) What what it is about it that, that captures your imagination?
0: I think it taps into something deeply true that most executives deep down want to be good at. They understand and recognize that um, the people that work for them are giving just a, such a considerable amount of their life to the work that they do. And they want it to be meaningful. Like They, they want to impact the people that work in their lives and, and uh, that work at their companies and create more meaningful work and more meaningful lives for them. And I think for a long time, people got engagement with culture or satisfaction. They got it confused. And what I'm and what I'm excited about is how the culture's changed, where people are realizing, like, of course, it's a win-win, like when when executives and leaders can drive engagement, not only does it create a better life for their employees where they get to do more meaningful work, where they're more proud of what they do, they think like owners, they show up with with initiative and drive, but also it creates better business outcomes. You have a team of people who are showing up and leaning forward for the business, not not people who like aren't quitting. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are showing up like actually motivated to drive change. It's just a more inspiring way to run
1: a business and and to create change. Well, I mean, and we spend so much of our time at work. Uh, I mean, especially as, especially in the U.S. Uh, I had a, I ran into a friend the other day who you know works for a company I won't name, and I asked him how you know Hey, how are things going? We hadn't seen him in I don't know six seven months, and he's like, you know, the seventy five percent of my life that is business oriented. Uh, he was frankly, it just sucks. He's like, I don't like my employer. I don't like what we're doing. My family's great. He's like, that twenty five percent is awesome. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, are you hearing what you're saying? Because right. I mean, we spend so much time there, uh, that's definitely an organization I think that would benefit from some introspection around their culture and employee engagement. When it comes to running the sales org though at, at Amplify, I'm curious, how do you guys leverage your own tools, drink the own Kool-Aid, whatever. drink your own champagne, whatever the phrase is you want to use? How are you as a sales leader leveraging that inside of the team to get your salespeople to more consistently lean in?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great a great question. And when you do what we do, when you're an employee engagement company, the bar across every department is very high. And, <laughs> um, people show up here expecting a lot, and we're we're really committed to to living that out. And I also think it's a unique environment. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, know, we're growing over a hun- well over a hundred a hundred percent year over year right now. And to create that on a sales a sales organization, it takes creating a hunger inside of your people and facilitating that hunger um, to show up to work every day and do your best. What I think what data has helped us with is to have clarity on the rumblings. Um, we use our own tool to understand. Of course, sometimes we hear things from from some people, but oftentimes it's hard to know what which thing is really happening. And, and what data allows you to do is it goes, how can I look at what is actually going on amongst all the people and what is common and and so we do that. Actually, this morning, the meeting—I was two two meetings ago before this meeting, <laughs> before the podcast. I uh, I was in the room with my my two sales directors, and we're we're looking at our data. We just ran our survey, and we heard back from our our team about um, areas where we could improve. And, we, and we're all going through it, going, "So what are we committed to this quarter?" And that's that's really what we like to do: is how do you pull it forward where it's not this big, grandiose annual thing? It's what can I do today that's going to drive engagement on that team? And then once you pick those things being transparent enough to share it back as well. And this doesn't matter if you do data you, you know obviously our tool is an effective way to have that visibility but being transparent and candid with your team about the experience that they're having and what you're doing to improve things will dramatically unlock engagement on your team.
1: Well and there's a there's a consistency there that you're talking about that that is a theme I'm hearing a lot lately in terms of how you actionize the data that you get, right? You're, you're right. You just had that meaning, You're doing it quarterly. I see a lot of organizations get excited about the thought at first, and then realize that maybe consistency is not sexy, but <laughs> it is. It, it works, right? And so, having that type of insight into your team, I would think, is extremely valuable. And then I would think drives greater loyalty with your team. And my, it would make sense to me that it would. Are you seeing that inside of the team currently?
0: We are. And I think one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm the most, most proud of, of, of my team is that over half of my team was with the other business and they actually came and transferred over and started this new business with me. And uh, many of them started right out of college and are now hitting years five and six of working kind of on this team and in, in this system. And I I'm hopeful, you know, to me, it's, it's work that I'm proud of, but I think it speaks highly to what we're, what we're doing and, is that we, we live this out ourselves and we want to create environments where people feel like they can bring their, best. And I think with that, there's this myth in the culture, especially with like millennials, people, you know, right now millennial leaves their job every 1.8 years that they, that they always are going to leave no matter what. And I've just found that to be not true. I think if you can challenge the people on your team, we always say there has to be one thing that's aligned between the manager and the employee that is an opportunity to improve. And that should never end. You know, The pursuit of excellence in sales is not something you just check a box on. And so as long as you continue that, that candid conversation, transparency, have an area where that employee is committed to getting better that I do think you can find great loyalty and and drive great performance
1: on your teams. Well, and that's, I think that's a difference too, between uh, the historical, what I would call outcomes based type of culture that sales organizations, uh, I I struggle to use the word suffered from, but let's just say suffered from uh, versus a relationship based culture where it is more adapted to the individual. And it is a conversation and commitment between two adults and two professionals to say, Hey, here's what, here's what I'm seeing you're good at. Here's where I'm seeing gaps. What is it you want to accomplish? And what do we have to do together to get you there? What are the steps that we have to take? I'll make the commitment to help you with that if we can continue to have honest and open dialogue. I, I think that creates a level of authenticity, especially for Amplify because you're mm-hmm. drinking your own champagne, but your team is seeing it as well. So then for them to turn around And go out to other organizations and carry that message. It comes with an authenticity and a passion and a proof point that I think is almost second to none. Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm I'm hopeful that's both the differentiator. That's an internal and external differentiator, whether it's how we recruit and, and retain people or how it's how we go to the market as well.
1: And Are you expecting? And so I know I'm totally off script here on the questions that I say. I have a tendency to do that. I, I love it. That's all right. <laughs> so I'm curious. You mentioned motivation earlier. So... As you scale right with one hundred percent year over year growth or, or greater new people are coming in. I would assume your team's growing, how do you create a motivation approach and/or structure that motivates an increasing pool of individuals on the yeah? Side? I think the key
0: to that is, and, and this is true of, of anyone, is that if you want to create high performance individuals, I think at the man, one, it all, all happens at the manager level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or a, a, lot, a lot of it does. And so I always task my managers with making sure that they know the, the why of each employee. And the why can't be just their quota, it has to be something personal in their life that motivates them to bring their best self to work every day. And so, how tactically we live that out is the second January of every year we get together for a 2 hour session and we do we do goal setting and i think that scales really well now we just do it by team instead of the full team and we're working through both personal and professional goals i think it builds trust and vulnerability amongst the team but it creates this kind of unity between the manager and the employee where they have a common thread whether it's you know i we've heard this year that someone wanted to take their kids to disney for the first time there's a person who wants their their spouse to be able to stay home this year um, and it's something that's important to them that they've decided an employee who said, "This is the year that I want to create a job that doesn't exist at this company," and oh, so he's like, wow. he's like, yeah, and they did it, which is super cool, you know. And, and I <laughs> and I think it's it's that when you get to know what is, of course, everybody wants a raise or wants that next promotion, but there's something deeper that's motivating people, and I think if you can uncover that. That does scale. I think it scales if you do it at the manager level and you can achieve these exceptional results by driving people and giving them, helping them find their own motivation.
1: Yeah, and that's a perfect proof point for the you know the concept of autonomy, pur- purpose, and mastery, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, which the research shows motivates people more than the money. The money is maybe a scorecard, right? And maybe a lot of people that are focused on it because maybe they they're in a certain situation where that becomes the current number one thing. But if we look at human beings and employees as as a whole, that isn't at the end of the day what the data shows us drives us. It is that it, it, you know that personal. Intrinsic thing that I'm trying to accomplish that goal setting. And it's great to see organizations like Amplify embracing that versus, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little over 40. (laughs) So (laughs) I come from when phones had cords. Um, and and so, you know, I, I'm used to sales organizations that were extremely outcome based. Hey, here's your quota. Here's a number of activity, activity I expect. And if you don't hit it, well, you know what? There's another sales job out there for you, which can be, it lends itself to the stereotype of why people aren't. Overly fond of sales individuals, right? Create, right. uh, it creates an outcome that isn't necessarily the best. And so when you, when you look at this, when you look at the sales organization, you have to manage that much growth. As, is it, is growth right now managing that growth the hardest challenge you're focused on? What's the number one thing you're looking at, uh, with that sales team in order to support that organizational growth? Yeah, I think,
0: I think it's scale for us. It's, it's moving from an idea, you know, we're three, we're three years in now, right? So that what, what worked, it's a reminder, maybe that what got you here won't get you there Right. and um, being open to, uh, to change and that rapid rate of change, but also putting in processes that scale well. I think growth also brings with it challenges of when you're having exceptional growth, it's you always are stretching, right? Our goal, we're always trying to stretch and push our team and make sure we're getting the very most out of our team too. And I think doing that when you're when in the midst of growth um, also can, you know, can be a challenge we're, we're working on.
1: And so, okay, so let's dig into that a little bit, if, if you don't mind. So everybody has, I, I mean, everybody out there, and I could go on and on and on, although that's what therapy is for, about, yeah. <laughs> my, about, about the problems. But when, when you look at that, I mean, I think that's a, that's something that our audience will resonate with really well. There are, I mean, Amplify is doing, uh, oh, A whole host of the right things to create the culture and keep the loyalty, but now we get into challenges of scale. And so you mentioned process and and motivation and things like that. What are the, if you break them down, kind of what are the problems that you see that you've got to overcome in say the next six nine months in order to make sure that that scale is achievable and done in a way that continues to build upon what you've done to date.
0: Yeah. I think, that's a, I think that's a great
1: question for,
0: for us. I think it is how do you create goals that are stretching because we want we don't want to be satisfied. We want exceptional performance that is also achievable. I think that is one. And, and for us, you know, I'll start, I'll start with that one. I'll go into a, the, the next after, but I think to do that for us, we need to bring to light like the, You were even referencing this old school approach of here's your number now in hand them a phone book and go figure it out. <laughs> 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 and we, we want to make sure that, that we always say to our reps, we want you to be the CEO of your pipeline. And by that, we want you to understand how we arrived at that number, the type of support you're getting from others, that it is not just you, but you are responsible. You're the quarterback, but we reverse engineer and show them how to achieve their goals so that they can feel empowered to take ownership of those goals. And I, so I think that is one. And I, I think the other with scale is, um, is great hiring (laughs) (laughs) for me is, is how do I, how do I, you know, I, I've, I've built a culture that I'm really proud of and and a culture where um, I think the reps reflect the type of environment that we are trying to create. How do we effectively bring in people and now ramp them faster than we ever have? How do we find the right people? How do we onboard them from the outside and then create that high growth environment that we aspire to create?
1: Excellent. And, And when you look at that, the hiring side, have you guys cracked the the, the nut, so to speak, on on the hiring. Like, do you have a, <laughs> a way that's proven to be pretty effective for you for you guys as you hire more salespeople?
0: I mean, I could, I could pretend on the podcast. Like I've got like a, <laughs> all the, like I nailed this thing. I should have sent you all the questions that I'm like, Hey, here's all this stuff. I'm amazing. At. Um, you know, like one of the things I've been thinking about, so right now the average time across the country to fill a job vacancy is 30 is 30, 32 days, 30 to 32 days. And when you're actually the one responsible for filling those roles and, and when you're hiring as often as we are right now, like you feel every single one of those days because you're trying to fill those jobs while your quoted is still you know happening as well. <laughs> and so one, I mean, I'll just give you one thing because I think I've got a lot. I have a lot of room to grow here, um, but I do think one safeguard I've put in place that I really do believe in, and I'm going to go back to this idea of like we're trying to get our team to think like owners, to lean forward for the business, and so I have integrated my cultural warriors or my cultural rock stars into my hiring process. I think about when I'm traveling, who are the people who I know are pushing the culture forward? And I, I integrate them into the process. And in some ways it is to into the hiring process. And in some ways it is to protect me from me. To protect me from feeling like I'm at day 28 in a 30-day job opening. And, I re- and I'm and i like, I don't want to interview any more people. Um, I need them to protect the culture for me. And I give them yes, no authority. And I, I afterwards, of course, we'll debate and argue. But if they say no, and I could tell you actually just it was about three months ago, I had two candidates I brought to the end. Of course, I'm feeling a little ragged. I'm like, I really need to make these work. And I, I think I squinted a little. And, uh, and my, my, my cultural um, rock stars came and said, hey, not on this team, you know. We hold ourselves to a high bar, and I think that was really a moment when I realized, like, we're creating a, um, a really powerful culture when they care about it just as much as I do, and they're willing to protect it.
1: Well, and I think that that dispersion of—I don't want to say responsibility. Let's say uh, involvement, right? That, that that you're not the lone steward for the team. I think that's an extremely important point for for people to hear because. So often, especially in in sales organizations, you'll see that sales leader kind of try and take everything on themselves or with a small group of ops support so that they can keep their individuals focused on selling rather than understanding that there's a power that comes from the leveraging of the individuals who've proven that they're passionate and committed to the organization. Uh, and I think that's an extremely important... It sounds like it's keeping everybody focused on the bar, not letting it slip just because we get down to day 28, 29, or, or 30 of the job search. <laughs> <story. laughs> right. Excellent. And so when you look at, at your sales team just from a, a an approach and a way that they go to market kind of standpoint is there a piece of technology that your team's using besides amplify obviously everybody's involved in that but from a from a tech stack standpoint on this on the sales side that you have been pleasantly surprised with in terms of its ability to impact and support the the way your sales team goes to market
0: yeah. And I love, I love, uh, sales tech too. So it's a, it's a great question. And and I failed so much in the last like six, seven years uh, th- through trying to find that mad, you know, that magic answer. Um, I've got, I have three, three tools that I think are really essential to what we do. Sales loft, obviously from a prospecting cadence, allowing us to create efficient ways to outbound prospect is just a really powerful tool, but it's also surrounded by a really powerful community. And right. I think that, that piece is like, is, um, is really underrated to the value that, that, that a tool like that can have. Um, right now, the, the two tools that... And that's been a backbone to our strategy for a long time. The two like newer tools that I'm just like obsessed with right now, um, Gong for call yes. feedback. And just as a way to collaborate. And you know, right now, we're trying to move into a new market. So even just to share feedback back across departments, or it has dramatically improved our sales reps ability... Or our sales director's ability to give consistent and steady feedback going back to what i said earlier always having those reps have one thing they're working on right. that is the mechanism of how we do that and even the the directors when they get stuck they can tag me have me listen to calls it, that sort of thing, and then also Costello is a, is another tool uh, that's been really helpful to us. And Costello is where you can build sales playbooks. Um, so think when you're on a call and you're or you're trying to onboard someone, like what's the structure and flow of the call? What do you do when this competitor is brought up, or what what do you do when this objection is brought up? Just as a way to guide, and then also create consistent notes for the for the reps. We prior to using a tool like that would have this sounds like a commercial. I really am just going on these two. I hope, I hope I'm, I'll, I'll look for my check in the mail, but, yeah. so I, um, but like prior to using them, for example, like, cause that's where the reps take their notes during the calls is like, you'd be solely dependent on the rep after the call, going into Salesforce and logging like the details of the call, which never happens. <laughs> uh, and, and some are doing it on post-it notes and some are doing it notebooks. And so what it's just done is create a lot of consistency with our data, which has really improved our like loss analysis as
1: well. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. No, I, I'm a big fan of, of gong, uh, for sure. And I love the, the, the cadence stuff, you know, whether it be sales officer or, or outreach, I, I'm a big fan of those. So they get mentioned on here, here quite a bit. Uh, Costello, I've heard mentioned once before. So I really appreciate the insight on that. I think it's important yeah. for our listeners considering that we have, you know, we have individual practitioners in marketing and sales up to, up to sales and marketing executives. Listen, I think it's important for them to hear from other people like them that are using these tools and what's working and what's not because if you look at the MarTech, just the MarTech space, there's what... 7,000 companies. In fact, two more were founded since we started this podcast. And, you know, it just continues to be a, a groundswell of technological solutions. So it's always great to see which ones are actually working. So I'm, I am a huge fan of Gong, cannot speak enough about it. We work with those guys quite a bit. So thank you very much for that insight. So let's, um, let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as an executive, that makes you a prospect for other people who want to sell to you. And I'm always curious to understand what is it that you have found that captures if there's no ref, no reference, no referral, but that captures your attention enough that you're willing to give someone the 15 minutes that they've gotten to that point where they've earned the right to have that 15, 30-minute initial call with you. What has worked the best? Uh, and what do you like to see when people approach you that way? Yeah,
0: definitely get a lot of sales calls, um, and of course, when you, when you're in our our industry, you try to be uh, as gracious as you can with those too. Um, so hope, hoping you're like in, in impacting the karma of the universe in some ways. Um, and I would say the people that cut through the noise, I'll, I I can I'll definitely tell you what won't cut through the noise with me too. And I might be different, but I'd say the people that cut through the noise, it's one of two things happens. One is in a really succinct way. They actually articulate a problem that I've been thinking about and it just, it cuts through and I just see it and I go, Oh my gosh, how have I never thought of that? Or, Oh, that, this is like the main problem I'm actually solving. And I'm not talking about like stats and bullets or this thing or just posing something that actually cuts. It is dealing with my exact world I'm in today. And it just happened to intersect with maybe a conversation or something, you know, that I'd had, I would had prior, I would say the other is just is genuine authenticity. It is when an SDR or or a BDR calls and I happen to pick up the phone because they use local dial and I thought it was like my kid's school or whatever it is. (laughs) But like when they start and I go, oh, this is a real person. So now you've earned a little bit of time and it's hard to explain what that is, but I think it's just genuinely like a self-confidence and like a willingness to start every call fresh. Like not bringing in the baggage of all their prior calls and just treating me like a real person. Um, And then I think in response, they get treated like a real person. Right now, I'd say the thing that isn't working is like fake personalization. I love the concept of personalization. And I think if it's genuine, it works. But I mean, it is so... It feels so saturated to me right now when every, the first sentence of every email happens to be about the, you know, some, it, it just doesn't feel genuine to me, I guess. And I would prefer in that instance, if you're not going to have the kind of some sort of personalization that feels genuine, j- to do the more, just be specific with like the challenge that you're solving so I can kind of know if it cuts through the noise.
1: Yeah, that's a, I love that. Personalization is one of those, um, I would my business partners call it a soapbox issue for me. Yeah. Uh, because I it it I get the concept. I get the concept. But so many people are not practiced and talented in the ability to do it in an authentic manner, first and foremost. And second, we're seeing that the stats actually back up not individual personalization, but industry specific yes. personalization. So so show that you know the industry, the problems that these people are having. That is much more authentic and cuts through goes to you know your second point. And I, I think it's just an area where... I mean, we spend a lot of time with organizations working on that. But there's this belief that if I either go crazy and personalize every email down to the nth degree, okay, that's great. You reached out to five prospects today <laughs> versus balancing it so you can have a consistent cadence that is personalized, provides value, uh, and does it in a way that is authentic and doesn't you know make everybody sound like a, a rubber stamp.
0: Exactly. And that I think what you were saying touches on how do you cut through the noise? It's those ones that cut through the noise. I think it is an industry. Like they know my world and they've thought about this problem that I'm having more than I have. And like that cuts through to me.
1: Right. Love it. Okay. So last question we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell um, sales professionals that you believe if they listen to would help them crush their quotas, achieve their goals, what would it be and why? Be consistent every day. And don't allow yourself to waste time. I think
0: that, especially if you're young in your sales career or not not succeeding at the level that you'd like, I think it could be that you might be too swayed by how you're doing in this one moment. And if every single day you can think about where your moments are where you're the very best and the very sharpest, and you don't let anyone in the world distract you during those times. And you think strategically about how you're going to spend your time. You don't do any fake metrics. You don't do any kind of like busy work or you, but you believe in yourself enough that you say, everything I do is going to be productive and efficient. And every single day, I'm going to do it. Regardless of how I feel when I wake up, I'm going to bring my best self to work. And I'm going to bring a level of consistency every single day to what I do.
1: I love it. Love it. Adam, if the listeners is interested in talking more about what we've talked about today or learning more about Amplify, what's the best place to send them to the website, LinkedIn, what works the best?
0: Sure. Yeah. I think, I think LinkedIn, you can find me. I think my LinkedIn is meet Adam Weber, 1B and Weber like the grill. And so I'd be happy to you know, send over a request there. Uh, my email as well as adam at amplify.com. And then if you want to learn more, just email Amplify or uh, check out our website, amplify.com as well.
1: Perfect. Adam, thank you very much for taking time. It's been great having you on the show.
0: Yeah. Chad, thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: All right. Everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill. Check out b2brevexec.com, share it with friends, families, and coworkers. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.